Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to 32 Games in 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester, and with me, as always, is Akiva Lineker. Akiva, today we are previewing the AFC West, and with it, the Super Bowl champion, Denver Broncos. Well, you said a couple things that are already wrong. First of all, you said, with me as always, I feel like most of the time I'm with you. Yeah, that's true. Not always. And then you said, said, we are going to preview the AFC West. And I think just you are going to preview the AFC West. Yeah, you're having some uh, medical issues. Uh, shockingly, South Florida is not the place to get the best sushi in the world. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I think I, I I feel like your sushi is Zika infested. Something like that. I, I feel like um, I've been to good kosher restaurants in South Florida, but also like the twenty worst kosher restaurants I've ever been to have been down here. So basically, this intro is a race against the clock between uh, your trips to the bathroom. No, let's not be disgusting. First of all, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All your lady fans are going to be turned off. We got to be careful. No, this is. Uh, I'm. I'm totally fine. I just can't be. Uh, I can't be in the same place at the same time with you. Yeah. So this is an interesting division. I'm. I. I just sent you my power rankings on the season, and I have the ninth, tenth, and eleventh best teams on my power rankings, all in this division. So this division is actually a little bit more up for grabs than uh, one might think. I. I didn't look at them yet, so I assume that the Chargers are the team, not nine, ten, or eleven. Yeah, that's good. Okay, that is correct. Uh, you know, this every sports writer going to uh, Oakland's training camp is coming away drooling, and I don't know. I like, I, I, I don't trust the sports writers. Certainly, people are saying that Reggie McKenzie has the toughest roster cuts in the league. That they have a lot of, you know, NFL caliber players that are not going to make the roster, which is good news if you have a bad team like the Jets. Maybe pick up some more NFL caliber players. You know, I, I don't know. I like. I don't, is this just like the Raiders West? I it will. It remains to be seen, but. You were not Raiders West. What do you mean? Like a Jaguars West. The Raiders eat. Oh, Jaguars West. Well, no, the the Raiders are much better than the Jaguars, though. I don't know. I don't know. Like, how good are the Raiders? Well, let's put it this way. So far, every fan that we've had when we're going through a schedule, pick pick winners and losers, every game against Jacksonville, whether it's at home or on the road, the other team has been picked to win. And these aren't the fans of their own team. These are fans of other teams making these picks. So nobody really is respecting the Jaguars, at least uh, of our uh, guests and listenership just yet. But that makes sense. I, I think that, you know, that you need to see it from the Jaguars, whereas the Raiders have at least been edging a little bit closer to competency. Yeah. Also, like, the Jaguars have good skill position guys, but other than that, they got a lot of holes, whereas the Raiders have a great defense. They have a great uh, offensive line. All right, hold on. L- this is enough talk about the, the AFC West, because we'll talk about this for the next hour. Uh, can we talk about the Olympics for a second? Sure. 
All right. So uh, this is in your wheelhouse, obviously. So there's nothing that people like more than when Americans watch something for five minutes that they've never watched before and immediately come up with a bunch of rule fixes. Oh, no question. This is the Bill Simmons special. I don't want to say I'm an expert, but I'm like very familiar with almost every Olympic sport. And I don't want to say I wrote the book on it, but I wrote like 93 printed pages (laughs) for this Olympics. But like when I watch with people... All they do is correct me. People who do not even think of these sports couldn't have told you these sports were in the Olympics. Like, it's amazing how everyone knows more than I do about every single sport in the yeah. Olympics. It's kind of crazy. Here's one proposed fix I have, and I realize this is probably not the most novel thing in the world, but um, you know, a big problem of the Olympics is the fact that Michael Phelps, the reason that he has 21 gold medals is because in when it comes to racing we have one sport which is how can you go the fastest from point a to point b we don't have who can go the fastest running backwards and who can run the fastest going forwards and who can go the fastest crawling and who can go the fastest waving their arms like a butterfly but we do that in swimming um and and so the problem is like to me obviously basketball is the most is my favorite is my favorite part of the olympics basketball is the second most popular sport in the world other than soccer can i get on the record because even though this will come out well after uh, this game happens. So the U.S. is playing Australia today. I'm going to say they're going to lose. And if they win, it'll be a very close game. Okay. I'm, I'm, that's a hot take. I'm going to say uh, the U.S. is going to lose to Australia. And Patty Mills... It's, it's, it's a hot take that by the time this is produced, will probably be frozen. Or maybe spicy hot. We'll see. Well, you could take it out if they lo- if they, oh, so if they win by smart. 40. But <laughs> leave it in if they, if they lose. But I, I really... Okay. I really think yeah, so, so I was saying, so soccer is the biggest sport in the world, and, and you have, I mean, the reason that the Olympics doesn't have to be that big is because you already have the World Cup in non-Olympic years. In basketball, which is the second biggest sport in the world, you don't have any large international competition that's really a big deal. Well, you have the World Championship. But nobody really cares about that. And No, but we do send our best players to it. Yeah, yeah, but but like we care about the Olympics more than that, and even and even that we don't care about the the basketball. Sh- my point is this: basketball should be the biggest part of the Olympics, and it's not. And the reason it's not is because there's no drama involved. There's no question about who's going to win, right? But but the problem is because we only have one gold medal in basketball, which is for the best team. So why don't we also have a a three point contest and have gold, silver, and bronze for that? And that's a yeah, chance that would be pretty the, sweet. A gold yeah, medal, a three point shootout, slam dunk the contest. The dunk contest would be great. You have judges, yeah. you have Russian judges with corruption, just like in gymnastics. Sure. You could have one on one, which would be great because then you have Americans playing each other. You have you know players from other countries also involved. Uh, you can have a three on three tournament. You could have horse. In fact, there I just named three point contest, dunk contest, horse, one on one, three on three, and then five on five traditional. There you go. That's six medals right there. You can have in basketball instead of one. Yeah. Do you know anybody who wouldn't watch a one-on-one tournament for a gold medal? That'd be incredible, right? That whole tournament, you have like a 16-player uh, No, it's good. Bracket. You know, three-on-three tournament came incredibly close to getting in the Olympics last time. Are you being serious? Yes, it almost wait, made it. Wait, actually? Yes. They, they wait, were, they who voted against this? It. I'm not sure. A three-on-three tournament was very close. It wouldn't have been with the pros. Oh, because I was going to say the other thing is, the other interesting wrinkle to me is that this should all be done, but you have to bring the same 12-man team. Oh, cool. So you're like, instead of Harrison Barnes, you'd bring like... Some tomahawk dunker. Yeah, so Zach Levine, does he make the team? Yeah, because the, Zach Levine. The U.S. the U.S. can get away with the 12th man on the bench who can't play in the regular tournament because, you know, they're deep, they're good enough and deep enough. But then, obviously, they already have Clay Thompson, you know, and a couple other guys who could be in the medal competition for threes. Mm-hmm. But then, and it's really not just Zach Levine because if the U.S. wants to sweep the medals, one, two, three, maybe they have to bring three dunkers on. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have guys who would never be in a dunk contest in the NBA, but because they're already at the Olympics, they're like, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. You know, maybe you'd see a Kobe or a LeBron. 
Mm-hmm. So other than, I guess, the fact that this means more medals for the U.S., and so I guess the, the world doesn't want to see the U.S. get more medals, who's against this? It would be incredible ratings. It'd be, it'd be a way to make a sport that's not really that exciting become exciting. I hear you. All right, let's, let's hear what the fans have to say. All right, fine. I just figured, you know, you have uh, some connections with people in the Olympic world, so maybe I'll pass along my message. All right, I'll send it to uh, all the zero people that I'm in contact with <laughs> in the Olympic world. All right, okay, fine. So on that note, let's turn to the AFC West. All right, Akiva. So let's bring in our guests that we have here to talk about the AFC West today. We are starting in the bottom of the standings based on last year, and that's surprisingly for us because I think both of us picked them to make the playoffs in the preseason last year, but that's the San Diego Chargers. And here to talk about the Chargers, we have David Drogemeyer. David's the co-host of the Chargers Domination Podcast for San Diego Sports Domination.com. David, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Chargers and AFC West football. All right, and then here to talk about the Raiders, we have Adam Brooks. Adam, welcome back. I think uh, you you helped us when we had our 32 fans NFL draft in April. That is correct. Good times. All right, and then, and then we have Cole, uh, frequent uh, at least uh, two times you've been a guest before, I think. So this is a third time's a charge for Cole, who's a Broncos hater. So he's probably – this is tough to watch last year, I imagine. From The last time we spoke was before the Chiefs-Patriots game, and, and from that point forward, things went downhill for you. I enjoyed their previous Super Bowl game much more. <laughs> as do i i think we all did <laughs> let's jump to somebody who uh enjoyed the most recent uh, super bowl more than any of us probably and that includes me the uh, the peyton manning bobo who's very excited to see him win a second title and that's travis henry uh travis is here to talk broncos travis is a recovering journalist who now spends his time at unleash and rockyrow.com travis welcome to the podcast Thanks. And, and just to be clear, I am not the Travis Henry that played for the Denver Broncos, <laughs> which as a journalist, that was quite interesting when he came to town. But that's that's a story for a different day. Yeah. Uh, as I recall, Travis Henry, the other one, the, the, running, the running back for the Broncos, he had like a bunch of kids and didn't he have some like child support issues? So I wouldn't be surprised if he was slumming it on my podcast these days. But. I, I received a call early on uh, from a from some from a from a lawyer, who, and a grand jury had just uh, indicted Mr. Henry for uh, grand theft for stealing uh, jewelry, and they they continued to tell me the entire story, and I was just a reporter writing everything down, and I was and I said, hey. You got the wrong Travis Henry, but thanks for a hell of a story. And then we ran with it. So. <laughs> All right, so there, there are some positives there. Um, Travis, last year I asked the Broncos fan in the preseason. I'm not going to try and take credit and claim that I actually predicted because I didn't predict it, but I did say to him, is it possible that we could see the Broncos win a Super Bowl behind their defense and Peyton Manning rides off into the sunset? And our Broncos fan said, I'd love to see it, but no, there's no chance of that happening. So <laughs> you, had, you had the wrong Broncos fan, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to predictions a little down the line. Um, and obviously, look, nobody predicted that Peyton Manning would be pretty much the worst quarterback in the league and, and, would, and they'd win anyways. But uh, we will get to that. So let's, let's start. Uh, let's take a look at these teams uh, coming into 2016. Uh, there's a couple teams in this division who I think are on the way up and uh, a couple teams who uh, maybe are not. So we'll get to that. But let's start at the bottom from last year again. That's David, we're coming back to you. So the Chargers really, uh, you know, really bottomed out last year in, in every single way, including the fact that that last game of the year, I'm sure, might have been emotional for you as well, as it obviously was for for Philip Rivers and a lot of the players. Antonio Gates, it looked like it might be their last game in San Diego. So the one positive you have to hang your hat on is the fact that the team is back at least for a year. I heard today, actually, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard today that the ballot initiative for financing for the stadium, instead of needing a majority, it's going to need a simple majority. It's going to need a two-thirds majority. Is that correct? Uh, they're still uh, deliberating on that. The uh, lawyer for the city of San Diego had requested that the California Supreme Court 
rule uh, expedite their ruling on that, so that's still up in the air. It could be two-thirds. Uh, the Chargers are preparing for it to be two-thirds, um, but it could very well be a simple majority. Yeah, and if it's two-thirds, I can't imagine that's going to pass. So that would be a that would be bad news for those who are who want to see a new stadium there, and then, uh, you know, good news for for those I guess who aren't in support of public financing for stadiums. But uh, we'll we'll get that's a topic for another day. But so let's let's start on offense for this team. You know, Philip Rivers continues to play at pretty much an elite level. I think the problem is the weapons he has around him. Obviously, if healthy, Keenan Allen looks like a top receiver. Antonio Gates, even at whatever he is, 35, 36, still is performing well. They added Travis Benjamin from Cleveland, who's a home run threat. But the offensive line looks like it has a lot of problems. The running game looks like, I mean, you know, last year Danny Woodhead was your best running back, which is not something that you want. So let me ask you, is the Chargers offense going to be better or worse than it was last season? Tell me, baby, Well, a, a couple of reasons why it's they're gonna the offense is gonna be a lot better is uh, one Ken Wisenhunt is coming back. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator in 2013 when the when Philip Rivers had his highest completion percentage of his career, um, and uh, Frank Reich is gone too. I mean, he went to the Eagles, so I'm I'm a lot more comfortable with this Chargers offense with Ken, Ken Wisenhunt running. Uh, I feel like they're gonna get the the offensive line going forwards instead of backwards. They did a lot of running out of the shotgun last year. And uh, that did not do any favors for Melvin Gordon. Um, the, the reason why I'm, I'm optimistic uh, about the Chargers offense this year is they uh, brought in a new center uh, from the Chicago Bears named Matt Slauson. And this guy is nasty. Um, I think he could possibly be that missing link for the Chargers offensive line. See, I mean, the Chargers offensive line is the key for the Chargers success this year. I mean, they had 24 uh, different offensive line combinations last year and you just can't run. You can't run. You can't pass. You just can't play football like that. You know, you need continuity on the offensive line. And I think Matt Slauson's going to help uh, sew that up this year. Yeah, so I had read on Pro Football Focus, the Chargers offensive line was dead last in the NFL in pass blocking efficiency last year. And there were 11 players on that offensive line who saw at least 30 snaps. And that's one of the things you mentioned, sort of the inconsistency there. All 11 of those players also graded negatively in run blocking. So you bring in Matt Slauson. Hopefully he's you know a big upgrade right in the middle of that line. But is there going to be improvement you know at guard and tackle as well, or is this still an offensive line that's going to have some problems? Well, I think bringing in a veteran presence in the middle of that line is going to take some of the pressure off of the guard guards that are uh, on each side of him and the tackle because you got a guy there that's a veteran that knows how to communicate uh, effectively with his guards and tackles. And a guy that's you know re- really a commanding presence and has already taken up a leadership position on that offensive line. So I think uh, you know his addition for the offensive line cannot be understated, and it will show uh, in the regular season. And speaking about veterans, Philip Rivers is still you know he's 35 now. Last year I think he led the league in pass attempts. He threw for a career high in yardage. And he kept, and he also he cut his interception rate down, you know, dramatically from the year before. And I think he led the league in picks. But is is there a certain point at which it starts to fall off, or do you think he can uh, maintain this as he gets uh, deep into his thirties? Well, I mean, when you look at Philly Rivers, we all know he's not a running quarterback. You know, he, he's a guy that sits in the pocket and you know he tears people apart. You know, when he has time. I mean, but obviously that's the the key factor. As long as he has an adequate offensive line to keep him upright, he can. I can see him being productive into his late 30s. 
And what kind of depth? So I mentioned they added Travis Benjamin and, and Keenan Allen. Obviously, if he can stay healthy, I mean, he looked like a superstar the first half of the year uh, for people who had him on their fantasy teams, like me. His uh, his injury was uh, very unfortunate. And then you know we said they still have Antonio Gates, who's you know still plodding along. But who do they have beyond those those three guys that he can throw the ball to, especially well, if if they have injuries again? Yeah, a couple of guys to to keep an eye on is a uh, second round pick Hunter Henry, uh, who is just I mean he's amazing. The, the guy didn't drop a football in college football last year at all, zero zero drops. Um, this guy's a polished route runner. He's a, a very uh, polished blocker. I mean that's. You know, very important for a guy that's just coming into the league. And another guy who's kind of like a dark horse candidate that you guys should definitely uh, look out for is Tyrell Williams. He's a, a 6'5", you know, 220-pound wide receiver who has been, you know, absolutely destroying the, the defense in camp this year. So um, those two guys are uh, definitely somebody that I would uh, keep an eye on if I was an opposing team. So talk for a second about Hunter. I know last year when uh, when Gates was missing the first four games with the suspension, people talked up Ladarius Green as a possible replacement. And then when Green came back, excuse me, when when Gates came back, I don't know if they ran. You know, Green didn't seem to be as much a success as they were hoping. They didn't really seem to run that many two tight end sets. So are they going to play Hunter on the other side of Gates, or is it going to be that he's going to sort of you know start to spell Gates as Gates gets older? Well, uh, the thing here with Ladarius Green is the coaches never really believed in Ladarius Green. It seemed like Ladarius never really grasped the the playbook. And, uh, you know, when you don't have the confidence of the coaches, you're not going to see much playing time. Um, yeah, I do think they're going to see a lot of two tight end sets just because, I mean, yeah, you said Gates is 36 years old, but he's still extremely dangerous. I mean, he he's still a very, very good route runner. He knows how to box out defenders. I mean, he's an absolute weapon in the red zone and he is only going to be made better uh by hunter henry uh, accompanying him on the other side of the line all right so let's switch over to the defense now where i think there's bigger problems for this team than the offense let's start at the front seven the front seven was was not very good last year and obviously the big upgrade was supposed to be joey bosa as of right now well let, if you had to put odds on it is he going to be in a Chargers uniform for game one for game one of the regular season, yes, I, yeah. I do. I do believe he's going to be in a Chargers uniform. Uh, I spoke to Lee Steinberg, you know, the the sporting agent today. He said that you know when guys are out of camp for so long, they they get itchy. You know, they itch. You know, they they want that structure. And uh, I think eventually Joey Bosa is just going to you know cave, and uh, they're going to get a deal done. Uh, honestly, uh, both both of these parties are at fault in this situation. Um, I think the addition of Brandon Meebane is going to be huge for this uh, defensive front seven. Um, and, you know, with him in the middle and Corey Legit and Joey Bosa on each side is really going to help solidify the run defense that struggled mightily last year. And it's going to open up the holes for young linebackers, Jerry Atauchu and Melvin Ingram to come through and make plays. All right, and then let's talk about the linebackers for a second. Uh, Denzel Perryman was uh, looked pretty good as a rookie. And uh, Manti Teo, by the way, Manti Teo, I'm, I'm trying to think of an athlete who was so famous or infamous, I guess, in his case in college and has been relatively anonymous in the NFL. And nobody can, I guess maybe Reggie Bush is an example, although Reggie Bush, like he dated a Kardashian, like we really don't hear about Manti Teo anymore. But I saw that of the 94 qualifying linebackers in pro football focus last year, uh, Manti Teo was 92nd. So um, maybe he could use some tender love, whether from a girlfriend, real or fake, but he seems to be a problem. Well, I mean, he is a problem, and you know his play did get a lot better when uh, Denzel Perriman was right next to him in the defense. I think they uh, that 
Matt Teo had some problems with Donald Butler last year. Donald Butler was just awful. I mean, he, he could not play the linebacker position. He could not tackle. He'd get run through. I mean, it was just terrible. Um, but you, you kind of see that the Chargers are kind of thinking about life past Manti Teo with the additions of Jutavis Brown out of Akron and Joshua Perry out of Ohio State. Those two guys, if you put them together, they are a much, much better version of Manti Teo. And, uh, I mean, also, I mean, like I said, Jutavis Brown is a, an athletic freak. So look out for him to make uh, to see some significant minutes in the defense this year. All right, and then in the secondary, um, you lost Eric Weddle and his glorious beard. Uh, he was another one of the guys who I think was pretty emotional in that last home game last year. Um, so who, uh, you know, I think their cornerbacks look pretty decent, but talk a little bit about their safeties and I guess just their secondary in general, if you think it's going to be improved on last year. Um, I do think it's going to be improved just because, I mean, I don't think Eric Weddle uh, at this point in his career last year was all he was cracked up to be. He was a... Uh, steadily declining he was going downhill Jason Fred on one side looks to be a top five corner in, in the NFL I mean this guy's locked down if you watched him last year this guy can lock down any wide receiver in the NFL um, on the other side Brandon Flowers he seems to be uh, reinvigorated he uh they, they talked a lot about how he was very distracted last year and his head was not in the game he seems to be uh back to his regular self this uh, training camp obviously we'll we'll see about that the safeties they brought in Dwight Lowry to kind of take over the uh, you know Eric Weddle position. See, the, the thing with the Chargers is they don't really value the safety position too much. So, I mean, they really, really weren't too concerned with uh, who they brought back there. But a couple of guys uh, behind uh, Jaleel Adai, who is a you know undrafted free agent coming into his third year, is a guy named Dex- Dexter McCoyle. He's coming from the CFL. He's 6'4", about 220. I mean, when he steps on the field, you automatically know where he is. Um, this guy is a menace. I mean, he's tall, he's fast, and he can tackle. So, uh, I mean, if there's any issues with Lowry or Adai, look for Dexter McCoyle to step in. With with the way that the Chargers season ended, and obviously it was not the season anybody was expecting, and there was a lot of the off-the-field conversations about the fact that you know the team might be moving and there was a lot of uncertainty, do you think that affects how the players play, or do you think that's just sort of a media narrative and it's sort of you know a, a post-facto justification? Oh, absolutely. It affects the players. I mean, whether they want to say it or not, I mean, that's swirling around the team. Yeah, I mean, Philip Rivers needs to find schools for, like, all his kids, right? Yeah, I mean, he's got to find <laughs> find some schools for his uh, soccer team he's got there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it definitely So affects. then is that still going to be an issue this year? Because it's still sort of in flux what's happening with this team. You know, we, we don't even know where they're playing in 2017. Um, I, honestly, I don't think it's going to affect him nearly as much just because now – the option is there, but they also have the option to negate it another year if they so choose. So for me, I expect to see if this stadium vote gets a you know a decent, maybe not fifty, you know, sixty-six percent, but maybe a fifty-fifty-two. I think they're going to stick around and try and make something work. It all depends on how the turnout is going to be, and honestly, that turnout is going to be determined by how the team is doing when the vote takes place. All right, so let's jump to a team that also has no idea where the hell they're going to be playing, uh, you know, in the next couple of years. And that's Adams, Oakland Raiders. Adam, whereas the Chargers really have nowhere to go but up because they went 4-12, and the Raiders are a team who there really is a lot of justification for really a lot of optimism on this team. Uh, it starts offensively, obviously. Uh, at the quarterback position, I have to have a little bit of a mea culpa because I trashed Derek Carr uh, up and down last season in the preseason. I ranked him really low in my quarterback rankings, and I, I, I did not like him. And, and he was really, really good in his second year. And, and the Raiders obviously took a step forward. 
the receivers, obviously, uh, Michael Crabtree, you know, looked rejuvenated uh, after su- being, you know, sort of mediocre for a couple of years in San Francisco. And Amari Cooper was looked pretty good as a rookie. So this offense already was pretty good. Do you think they're even going to take a step forward or do you think this is sort of a, a plateau for now? No, this offense is definitely going to take another step forward just based on their offensive line play, which with the additions of assembly this year uh, and hopefully the healthy comeback of Malik Watson play the right side. Uh, they're saying from various things that this may be the best line in the in the game, which obviously mm. we have to see. Uh, I don't the agree. Cowboys obviously have that right now, but mm-hmm. on paper, and you don't win things on paper, but on paper, this offensive line is nasty, and with that, uh, that'll give Carr more time to throw the ball, and that'll open up more lanes for Murray to run, and this offense could definitely take another step forward. Yeah, I mean, Adam, I don't know how old you are, but we haven't seen a good quarterback and offense in Oakland basically since Rich Gannon in like 2002 when they lost the Super Bowl to Tampa Bay. Oh, I know. Akiva can tell you I was with him in Israel for that. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's been a long time. I lost money on that game, unfortunately. <laughs> I lost my mind in that game, so that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about what about at running back? Uh, you know, Latavius Murray was sort of the, the bell cow last year, but he's not particularly impressive Murray's still, <laughs> Murray's still going to be the bell cow, and behind this offensive line, it should be better. Uh, they never found the change of pace back last year, like you mentioned before. It was supposed to be Halou. Halou got hurt the whole year, so he really wasn't a factor. He's actually been released. They drafted a kid in the fifth round, DeAndre Washington, who's been been playing pretty well in the, pre-season, in the uh, camp so far. And it looks like that good change of pace back they need on third down and can give Murray a spell at time. So we'll see what happens with that, but it's definitely Murray's to lose, and he won't lose it. The question is if they have that secondary back to alleviate a little bit off of him. All right, so let's jump to the defense. The defense also looks uh, – obviously, you lost the Hall of Famer to retirement, but you know Khalil Mack is probably the best player on this defense. And That's not a question. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he's obviously um, the best player in the conference, if not the league. You could argue he's with J.J. Watt and Von Miller. You have him over Watt <laughs> Miller? Or? I do not have him over Watt. I have him over All Miller. Right. Okay. I, no way. We'll, we'll, we'll get Travis a chance <laughs> to respond. We'll to argue that. that later, but I will take over Miller. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so, so talk about this front seven uh, beyond Khalil Mack, obviously, who's you know getting a lot of pressure on uh, on the quarterback and, and actually in the running game as well. To talk a little bit about who else they have in the front seven. They had a Bruce Irvin this year, who they're going to let rush the quarterback like he hasn't done since his rookie year in uh, Seattle. Uh, that was a big get that actually came out of the blue, and it should be a great compliment over to Mack. Uh, up front, they have uh, Mario Edwards coming back. Had a great rookie year until he got derailed by a neck injury that they thought might have taken him out for his career, but he's actually come back strong. Uh, they have Dan Williams and uh, Justin Ellis up front, space eaters who can uh, take uh, take line play off of uh, allow Mac to play to have space to run, and that's the front seven really. I mean, they really have. They really are going to be going with a 5-2 look as opposed to more or even to a 3-4 look. They're going to be very multiple in their fronts. The linebackers are a little thin in the middle with uh, Malcolm Smith and Ben Heaney. Uh, and after that, they're a little thin. But with Mack and Irvin and the front four, they should be okay in that front seven. All right. And then the secondary got a bunch of new names. Um, as I said, uh, um, obviously, I think I think they brought in Sean Smith from the Chiefs. Is that right? That is correct. Big, another big get in the, from the offseason. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's always good when you get a guy from the division, obviously, because it's, yeah, exactly. uh, it's a zero-sum game. I'm still yep. bitter. <laughs> sure. It was very nice to you know, take him from the uh, Chiefs because he definitely hurt us last year when we played him two times. 
but yeah, they also added Carl Joseph in the draft, who again coming back from injury, but before that injury, he looked like the thumper in the middle at safety position, which every team dreams of. Uh, then they added Reggie Nelson yeah. off the uh, to serve as that veteran safety. I guess they're trying to little replace Charles Woodson. And then they have the reclamation old reclamation project, Dave Emerson, who off the scrap heap last year and somehow I think corner pro football focus or one of those was one of the top corners in the league last year. <laughs> so yeah, they definitely have some potential in that in the back uh, in the secondary as well. All right, so you obviously you sound pretty optimistic. We'll get to some more predictions down the road uh, at the end of the podcast. But um, you know, just in terms of expectations, if the Raiders take another step forward this year, go nine and seven, just miss the playoffs, will you say, you know, all right, this is a pretty good season, best season we've had in Oakland in a long time. We're making we're taking a step in the right direction, or will you be disappointed? Like, is your expectation that we have to make the playoffs this year for the season to be a success? That's tough to say. I mean, it should be playoff or bust, but seeing we haven't had a winning season in 12 years, I can't really say I'd be upset going 9-7. and seven. <laughs> But, yeah. 14. I, is it 14? It's 14, yeah. So, uh, but, so, yeah. <laughs> I try and block things out. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's, if we go 9-7, and seven, could I be upset? No. But it's playoffs are the expectation with this after this offseason and this draft. Okay, so now let's jump to a team that um, you know is frequently above 500 and has made the playoffs a bunch, but hadn't won a playoff game in I think I think we said last year it had been something like 20 years or something like that. And uh, so Cole, after the heartbreak in 2014, uh, in 2000, what was it, 13 to the to the Colts, you finally did get to see a playoff victory last year. So congratulations on that. It's been a great couple of years in Kansas City. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and you were pretty. Uh, you were one of our most accurate guests uh, last season. I think. I think you predicted the Chiefs to go exactly eleven and five. You thought they'd uh, they they wouldn't win the division, but they'd be close to the Broncos. You were at that game against the Broncos that they lost last year, right? I don't want to talk about that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So so let's start on the offense. Uh, you know the the issue always with the offense with this team is that you know obviously you have a superstar in Jamal Charles, but. It seems like the ceiling on this offense, the floor is pretty high, but the ceiling is pretty low because Alex Smith is, that's the kind of quarterback he is. It's, it's, you know, low ceiling, high floor. So is this offense, is there room to actually improve on last year? Or do you think, you know, the, the offense can continue to do, you know, a reasonably decent job and then it's up to the defense to really take the team to the next level? Macklin is their only weapon. I think that the, the Chiefs offense is very predictable. However, the problem that we had last year was with consistency on the offensive line. We had uh, just not as bad as the Chargers, but just overall, we just had a rotating door. And so hopefully this year with a more steady offensive line, I think we'll have a more steady output, more predictable offensive output on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, you also, for the first time in forever, you actually had a receiver catch a touchdown pass. So congratulations. Jeremy Macklin and Travis Kelsey look like, you know, two very good receiving options. Uh, who else does Alex Smith, Alex Smith have to throw to? Not many. Uh, well, Frankie Hammond was a guy that was coming on more and more as the year went on last year. And a controversial draft pick in Ty- Tyreek Hill, who, uh, I, you know, it is it's it is what it is. But he, he had a, a run-in with the law in that he... He uh, had some domestic violence uh, accusations, and I guess they were true against him. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're not accusations if they go through the court system. It's an interesting euphemism, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, he actually uh, Dave Tube, who used to be with the the Bears back when Devin Hester was tearing up the NFL on the return game, has actually come out and said in the last week that Tyree Kill is the fastest player he's ever coached, and looks 
like an electric force. So, I mean, we heard the same thing a couple years ago with the Anthony Thomas, and you never know how speed, uh, just pure speed, is going to translate to the regular season. But he looks like a, a good weapon that we picked up in the draft. And then we have a we had a tight end last year that just as the year went on got more and more uh, or played better and better in the name of uh, Demetrius Harris. And I'm excited to see how he's going to come along as well this year. All right, and in the backfield, um, you know, Jamal Charles, obviously one of the best in the game when healthy. Uh, he's coming off an ACL, and now he's going to turn 30 this year, and obviously the track record of running backs who turn 30 is uh, is not very good. On the other hand, I'm not even sure, is it is it the system or is it Jar- Charles? Because no matter who they stuck in there, whether it was Charkandrick West or Spencer Ware, you know, and, and, and fantasy players, again, were really frustrated at it being a different guy every week, but it seemed like no matter who they put in there, he was good for 100 yards and a touchdown. So do you need Charles, or do you think that this offense is moving past him? Well, we, we were never going to – there was a lot of talk in the offseason by Chiefs fans that we, that we should trade Jamal Charles, and that was never going to happen because, as you said, his value is with the Chiefs it is greater than any trade value we would get in return because of his, his health and the questions therein. Uh, but having said that, the running backs at, behind him are were stellar all of last year. Uh, Charkandrick West uh, is a bigger back, and he is actually uh, – st- through training camp so far is in the number two. Uh, Spencer Spencer Ware is more of a, a, th- a three role. Spencer Ware was more of a Jamal Charles type of player, but he just has no, uh, he cannot stay healthy. All right, so let's get to the defense now. Um, again, this is a team who the offense you said is might be predictable. The defense, especially the front seven, has really been a strength pretty much for, for at least as long as the Andy Reid era, if not even earlier. Um now you add Chris Jones, the uh, second round pick. Obviously, you know to, to add to Houston and Tom Holly and everybody, everybody else you have there already. The front seven, it should be pretty good. Now we still aren't sure about the health of Justin Houston. It came out in the off season that he had a surgery on his on his ACL just out of the blue. Uh, it it turned out that it wasn't completely torn, but it's not entirely clear when he'll be back. It, it's possible he could be back week one. It's possible he could be back week eight. There's really no information out there for the oh, public. Wow. Do you watch the show Ballers on HBO? Yeah, it's a great show. So what, was Houston playing paintball, or was he working out, or yeah. we don't really know? I don't know. Uh, well, it was during the season last year, and he he tried to come back on it and play after sitting out a few weeks, uh, but it just he just wasn't the same player. But then you still have you have Derek Johnson, Tom Bahali, who are great players, but they're just getting up there in age. But then you have great backups behind them. Uh, the front seven, honestly, should be pretty solid. Last year, Dontari Poe was actually outplayed, surprisingly, by his backup, Jay Howard. And so it's looking actually more and more like we might let Dontari Poe go after this year and put Jay Howard in that uh, nose tackle position. All right. In the secondary, obviously, the big story last year was Eric Berry uh, coming back from cancer to become you know a star again, which is obviously really impressive. And NFL comeback player of the year. Yeah, and we talked about how you, how you lost Sean Smith uh, within the division. So how do you replace him? Yeah, well, last year Marcus Peters obviously had a great rookie year uh, in the other corner spot opposite of Sean Smith, and we had a we had a couple young guys last year that looked really good in Philip Gaines before he he tore his ACL during the season, and then in the draft this year we also drafted a guy by the name of Eric Murray in the fourth round who who looks like he's going to be pretty good. So you know. We're not really – it's a little sketchy back there because we lost Sean Smith and we have just a bunch of rookies. But but with the combination of Eric Berry, who will eventually come back. He hasn't signed his tender or anything yet, but he will be back before the season starts. 
and 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 Ron Parker and and there's a bunch of experience in the safety, but on the corners, it's it's a little uh, but a bit of a question mark. All right, so now let's jump to uh, the class, not just of the division, but obviously of the entire NFL last year. The reigning Super Bowl champion, Denver Broncos. Yay. Travis, I can't remember the last time. Obviously, when the Broncos won, the, you know, in '98, the second Super Bowl with Elway, he rode off into the sunset. But at least we knew who the starting quarterback was going to be the next year. I can't remember the time that a reigning Super Bowl champion. You have no idea what's happening at quarterback, and really none of the none of the options are good. You know, uh, you just want a guy who's not going to turn the ball over so the defense can do its job. But Mark Sanchez is not known for that. Paxton Lynch, you know, is a rookie who played in a you know non-power conference, and so it's hard to know how much to expect from him. So first of all, tell us about how the quarterback race is going, who you think is going to have the edge, and, and yeah. how he's going to do. Yeah, I think for everybody in uh, Denver who watched every snap of every game, we're actually looking forward to this season. As much as I love Peyton Manning, we all love Peyton Manning uh, because he did some amazing things here in turning Denver's culture around. Last year, he threw nine touchdowns to 17 interceptions for 2,000-something yards. He was pitiful. Uh, Osweiler didn't do much better. So all Sanchez or Simeon have to do is slightly better, and our offense has improved. And just like uh, as I was listening, everybody has problems on offensive line. We did as well. So our offensive line has improved as well. So the fact that we don't know who exactly our starter is going to be, whether it's Sanchez or Simeon, doesn't really cause too much concern. We actually think (laughs) that – no matter who it is, they're going to play better than Peyton Manning did last year. And uh, so we're, we're excited about that. I personally think uh, when the season starts, it'll be Sanchez. Sanchez is the – today they, they were announced as co-starters for the Bears game. Uh, but, you know, Sanchez is the veteran. So it would be really hard to go from Simeon to Sanchez. But it won't be so hard to go Sanchez to Simeon and maybe even Paxton Lynch uh, as the season wears on. But again, you know, look, obviously, look, I'm a Peyton Bobo. I think he's not just the greatest quarterback of all time, but the greatest football player of all time. And and I acknowledge he was probably the worst, you know, the worst quarterback to start a majority of the season last year in the NFL. But that touchdown interception ratio, that's sort of a Mark Sanchez specialty. So he's he's playing for Gary Kubiak. And if you guys saw what Gary Kubiak did in the playoffs with Peyton Manning, including in the Super Bowl, where you know what? Run, run, run. We're going to see a lot of that this year. That's Peyton or that's a Gary Kubiak special. We're going to see. But Peyton Manning is also, you know, obviously he was limited physically, but he's also, you know, probably the smartest quarterback ever. Does Mark Sanchez have the the wherewithal to know his limitations the way that Peyton did? He doesn't need to be, and I don't think Peyton Manning, as smart as Peyton Manning is, Peyton Manning was throwing those interceptions, and I think really time caught up with him, and and he couldn't really accept it. Now, I sound like I'm bashing on Peyton Manning because I'm really not. Like He really turned our team around, but it was over a course of the seasons. I don't believe that Peyton Manning had much to do with our Super Bowl last year. So I'm I'm confident with uh, with Mark Sanchez or whoever's under the helm, they're going to be playing you know a a Dilfer kind of role for the Broncos as we go for uh, second Super Bowl. All right, and you talked about that offensive line. It, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they're going to have four new starters on the offensive line. Well, yeah. So really, we have uh, the centers. The only guy that's returning, uh, Matt Paradis from from last year. We actually picked up Russell Okung um, from Seattle, and then Donald Stevenson actually from uh, from the Chiefs. So you know, I don't know what I know about the offensive line this year. Is last year Mark Schlereth came on 
the radio, ESPN, every week and just eviscerated these guys, just just skewered them, just said they were terrible, they were horrible. It's kind of a big deal in Denver because Stink was uh, ripping on them so much. His analysis of the offensive line this year is the, is – he he can't say enough about them. He's praising them, and it's also the idea of this is this is we're going back uh, to the time of of Gary Kubiak and John Elway, where with the cut blocks and uh, and I think that we're really going to to see the offensive line shore up uh, because just they're 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 coached better. So it'll remain to be seen. You know, as as everybody on this call. Everybody has problems on the offensive line, and you really never know till the games start. But it couldn't be much worse than it was last year, and we won the Super Bowl. So I think that our offense is going to be improved. Maybe if, even if it's slightly improved, I'd watch out. Okay, and let's just talk about the running backs for a second. I think that the only running back in the last decade to have 1,100 yards for this team was Willis McGahee in, like, 2011. Um in fact, I'm going back. Yeah, it's all the way back to 2004, Ruben Drones. Now, maybe they didn't need that when Peyton was throwing for 5,000 yards. But um, especially if you're leaning on the running game, who is it going to be? Or do you think it's going to be sort of a committee between Anderson and Hillman? No, it's been the last couple of years. I really think it's going to be C.J. Anderson. I think C.J. Anderson is really built in that Gary Kubiak mold. Gary Kubiak wants to run the ball. Gary Kubiak inherited Peyton Manning. I mean, it was a little bit, you know, there was a little, there was some tension last year on how the offense was going to run. And he kind of did a masterful job in, in balancing both the egos of, uh, of Osweiler and Manning, but he really wants to run. He doesn't want this to be a quarterback focused league. So I think CJ Anderson is really where they're going to, where, where they're going to uh, put their efforts in. I'm not a huge Ronnie Hillman fan just because I've seen him fumble the ball away. I've seen him get hurt. You know, we got this new kid, Devonte Booker, and then we have Capri Bibbs who went up to school, uh, just up the up the road at Colorado State University who keeps making the team then he then he's on the practice squad and then he he's come back now I think it's been about 3 years so I I would if I had to guess I would say Ronnie Hillman somewhere will be injured or will be cut or will be benched and I'm also I'm really looking at uh, I would say Devontae Booker and don't forget Jawan Thompson. Jawan Thompson right now he's listed at uh, second on the depth chart for fullback, but he really he's he's a halfback and he's really really fast and he's someone that the Broncos keep bringing back every year even if he doesn't make the final roster. All right, so let's jump to the defense. Obviously, by the end of the year last year, this was a historic uh, all-time defense. And like any Super Bowl winner, you're going to lose, you know, some key pieces. I think Danny Trevathan and Malik Jackson. But other than that, they haven't really lost anybody. Actually, I just saw a headline today that said Aqib Tlaib might face an eight-game suspension for an off-the-field incident. Um, like right, right, right. So, yeah. So he, uh, you know, he, depending on the story you, you hear, he either shot himself in the thigh or some the gun magically. Oh, the Plaxico special. Yeah, I have no idea. But uh, you know what? Um, Akeem Tlaib. He's lucky it didn't happen in New York, though. It happened in Texas. If I could just jump in here as a student at KU that has followed Akeem Tlaib's entire career, that story didn't shock me. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it shocked anyone here either. But I'll tell you what, Tlaib is he's a fantastic player. He's great. Uh, And, you know, that is a that's a really stiff suspension. But I'll tell you what. 
we our secondary and and the people that are sitting on our bench would start for most any other team and the idea of Aqib Talib going away for eight games uh doesn't really frighten me and doesn't frighten most people because Bradley Roby is sitting there and he's ready to play and he is a stud and I, w- I think he would start on any other team so if a key to Tlaib wants to take, you know, I mean, not not that he wants to, but if he has to take eight weeks off and get refreshed for the playoffs, you know, I don't think I don't think it's going to hurt us much. We, uh, you know, we also have, you know, the other we we lost Malik Jackson as well, and I think Malik Jackson was, you know, was for us a lot of people were surprised that he was gone, but I also think that uh, the, the the people stepping up our 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 front three up front are just are just studs. Whenever you have a defense, that's great. Uh, when your quarterback is so limited, the margin of error for a team is there gonna be go. less because yeah, it's not. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> it's not like it's not like you're putting up forty points. And like the example to me that comes to mind is the Ravens in two thousand, which is really the last team to win with such a dominant defense and mediocre quarterback. And Trent Dilfer, they you know they were a pretty good team for the next number of years under Brian Billick, but they they didn't win more than ten games again or you know even make it uh, deep into the playoffs until 2006 six years later and by that point they had brought Steve McNair who was a competent quarterback so you can't move any higher obviously than winning the Super Bowl but you know what are the expectations in Denver this year that you know that hopefully you go 10 and 6 and make it to the playoffs or well, I think that what you just hey, look, said, you're, pl- you're playing with house money. You won the Super Bowl. I so. know. I know. Yeah. What you just said is, is one of the, the Denver Broncos. We are coming into this season with a chip on our shoulder. And I think that should scare teams because whether it's an incorrect perception or not, but listening to you now, I think maybe it is a correct perception. <laughs> no one believes the Broncos, <laughs> the Broncos feel they are the, uh, the least respected Super Bowl winner in recent history. And they're mad. And uh, that doesn't usually happen with the Super Bowl champs. And and I agree with you. I agree with you on the margin of error. But we but but Gary Kubiak, Gary Kubiak, that's his specialty, <laughs> is don't commit errors. And they may oh, we may have God. a vanilla boring offense, but the idea is we we he doesn't have to uh, he doesn't have to deal with the ego of Peyton Manning, who's going to be throwing balls because he throws balls and throwing interceptions. We are going to be a run 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 it down your throat team, and. Uh, just don't throw the interception and then let the, the, the let the defense take over. So anyway, I think the Broncos they have a chip on their shoulder because they really feel like they're they're being disrespected. And whether or not you know that's the East Coast bias uh, or 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 what have you, I think that you know the Denver Broncos are are hungry this year. As as a Kansas City Royals fan uh, that heard the exact same things prior to this season. That chip on their shoulder isn't always quite the same intensity as before they won the championship. But baseball is so different. Baseball is, I mean, it's, I, I would say it's so much harder to repeat in baseball than it would be in, uh, in football. And also, just to be quite frank, it's the, the division we're in. So I don't know. Are we going to win the Super Bowl? Not sure. Are we going to win the division? I'm pretty, pretty confident about that. And I, I think we'll, <laughs> Ooh, we'll at least have talk. a home game. So. Throws down the gauntlet there. Whoa. All right, so let's get let, so let, let's get to our uh, best in the division, which has not been uh, that competitive or interesting for the couple of divisions we've done so far. But in this division, I think there's some really good questions. So let's start at coach. I'll start with you, Travis. Without getting into a whole spiel, but who is the best head coach in this division, in your opinion? Uh, Gary Kubiak, <laughs> super, 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 okay. super Bowl winner. <laughs> All right, so let's see how this goes. Uh, Cole, who is the best head coach in this division? In Not Gary Kubiak. 
Um, I'm going to go with Andy Reid. I think he's probably top two or three best coaches in the league. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I'm I'm a guy who really likes Reed. I discount his his in-game. Yeah, you know, minus the, the clock management. Up. If he could just yeah. get a guy yeah. to stand by yeah, him with yeah. a timer, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I think last year in our coach power rankings that Akiva and I did, I think I had Reed like sixth because the bottom line is he's won year after year after year in Philadelphia and Kansas City. So even if he you know can't figure out the clock or challenges, he's doing something right. Or win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay, Adam, what about you? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's not Gary Kubiak. It's Andrew thank you. <laughs> All right, and uh, David, your opinion here? Yeah, it's definitely Andrew Reed. Okay, yeah. So um, I, I tend to agree with you as well. But uh, you know, obviously Travis has the ring right now, so uh, he has. Yeah, he does. He, he definitely does. All right, so and let's get to another one. Where again, I think uh, it's an interesting question here. I know who I think, but well, we'll go in reverse order. Sam, David, who's the best quarterback in this division? I think it's pretty obvious that it's Philip Rivers. Okay, uh, Adam, do you agree or yeah? There's only, there, there's only one answer. It's Rivers right now. Carr could take it, but it's Rivers right now. Okay, yeah. So I mean, I, I'm surprised because I thought you might make an argument for Carr, but no, not yet. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> cool. What about you? You have the guy who doesn't turn the ball over uh, or throw it more than five yards down the field. Are you gonna make an argument for him, or do you think it's Rivers as well? I, I absolutely love Alex Smith for our team, but no, it's Philip Rivers. All right, and uh, is that a clean sweep, Travis? No, 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 no. I'm a Denver Broncos fan. I will oh never say God. Philip Rivers. <laughs> yeah, it's Derek Carr for sure. Don't be delusional. Okay. Right. I thought you were Don't be delusional. I had Carr on. I had Carr on on my fantasy team last year, and I and I I think this kid's gonna be good. I think he's really gonna be good. Too bad, I, you know, Del I Rio's his right. coach. But, yeah, <laughs> Rivers yeah. has done it for like t- twelve years in a row. So, I know, yeah, I know. Talk and to actually, me Carr and, does. No, and I have to say that as a Bronco fan, actually, I Philip Rivers is. You know, we've had fantastic games against Phil Philip Rivers. Love to watch him, but he's another guy. Like you know, I mean, they went four and twelve last year, and they and they haven't won. And he hasn't won anything, and so if I'm if I got to think about it on potential wise i think it's going to be car you know actually so i, I like this little uh, this little rivalry we have going right now between david and travis i thought the the chargers broncos rivalry was really great when you had cutler against rivers because they're both yeah. sort of such jerks honestly. yeah 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 <laughs> um but i was surprised espn had this thing where they were asking their reporter for each team who the biggest rival is and david the guy for san diego said that the raiders are the chargers biggest rival is that how you feel or how most Chargers fans feel? I mean, that's where that's what it was when we were beating them, you know, seven years in a row, and you know, but I don't last know. year. That, 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 that's why I said win. I, mean, I, I know that. I know we got swept by you guys last year. It's not going to happen again this year. But uh, I, I actually think oh, that I think uh, it will again this year. No, no. The games are more competitive with the Broncos, in my opinion. It's um, another so home game for the Raiders. I would say. I mean, if you would, if you would let me talk, I can get my word out. <laughs> Uh, I would I would say it's the Broncos. So honestly, I think we have better games. Uh, I think it's more competitive and it's more fun to watch. So Cole and Adam, does that mean everybody in this division sees the Broncos as their biggest rival? Yeah, they're the champs. Well, yeah. right, look, it's the same. Look, I'm a Vikings fan, and and I think the Packers are our biggest rival, and Bears fans think the same, and and nobody actually cares what Lions fans think. But um, Travis, from your perspective, who do you think is the biggest rival for the Broncos? Not this year, but just in general. Like, who's the team that yeah, you see yeah, as the biggest yeah. rival? I mean, I would say right now it's it's Kansas City just because they're Woo! just because yeah. they're good, just because they're good. But I will say that, and and, and you know, and and I am I am riding high on this ring, and I think we're going to do fantastic. But every, I, and I go to every game, 
And anytime it's an AFC West team, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit worried just because I know that the, the, the Raiders aren't afraid of us. The Chargers aren't afraid of us. The Chiefs aren't afraid of us. And so, you, you know, it's, it's what makes division football fun. All right, so let's get to this next question. And, you know, I, I thought I'm definitely on Team Reed and Team Rivers. For this one, I really don't know what the answer is. And my question is, who has the best offense in this division? So, Travis, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, I guess I would have to say, you know, uh, I think that potential, it's going to be the Raiders. I really do. I think they've got a really good young offense, and I think that uh, they have a lot to look forward to if, if Del Rio doesn't screw it up. Cole, who has the best offense in this division? Um, I really like the Raiders' offense. I think if Jamal Charles oh, wow. comes back and is Jamal Charles of the past, I think Chiefs the have Chiefs? the best. No, I'm saying I think if Jamal Charles comes back and is the Jamal Charles of old, it's the Chiefs. But if not, I think it's the Raiders. All right, so Adam, uh, you think it's Oakland as well, I assume? I have to go with the Raiders at this point after hearing those gushing remarks <laughs> from my uh, Broncos and Chiefs fans over there. So yes, Okay, it's, David, it's what about Raiders. you? Is, is this a clean sweep? Uh, I don't believe that the Raiders have the best offense because they only have one wide receiver you really have to worry about covering. Um, I, I actually, Ooh, shots fired. Don't respect Crabtree. So you don't, you don't respect Crabtree, or you think Cooper drops the ball too much? No, I don't. I, I think Crabtree is, is definitely coverable. Uh, Amari so Cooper, you're, on, you're on Richard Sherman's side. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yes, I am. I mean, Amari Cooper is a superstar in, in, in the making. I'll, I'll definitely give you guys that. Um, but I think the best offense uh, in the league – or not the league, but the best offense in the conference is the Chargers offense, and you'll see that this year. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> you, you'll who's, your, who's your second receiver? <laughs> uh, Travis Benjamin. Yeah, they got him. For Travis guy, Benjamin yeah. over Crabtree. Okay. He, he's, well, he, right. he's way faster than yeah. Crabtree. Way faster. Okay. Wait till we get a quarterback, because we have, you know, we have two receivers named uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders that, you know. Yes, that is the problem. If the Broncos uh, ever had a quarterback, yeah. I'd go back to that. It had, yeah, you know, quarterback, quarterback's a minor so. issue there. All right, so <laughs> we have no consensus yet on any of these. This last one, I think there will be, but now I'm not sure. So, um, David, we'll start with you. Who has the best defense in the division? Uh, it's the Broncos. I mean, there, there's okay. no question about that. All right. Okay, good. Um, Cole? Broncos, unfortunately. All right, Adam, you agree as well? It's the Broncos. Okay, all right. So we got some consensus there. Um, so that's good. But, yeah, so there's a lot. And I think that those other ones, those are good questions. Um, you know, there, there's <laughs> uh, David accepted. I don't think there's any gr- uh, David's opinion accepted. I don't think there's any great offense in this division. Uh, there's a lot of potential for every team, uh, you know, including Denver, I suppose, if, if they can uh, address the quarterback issue. But, um, yeah, there's, there's no clear cut answer there. So those are uh, some interesting takes. We're going to skip the, uh, the roster game today because Akiva had to bow out early uh, thanks to some Zika inf- infected uh, Florida sushi. Which is surprising because you, you would think of South Florida as the place to get the best sushi in the world. But, you know, who knew? Appar- apparently South Florida not known for its sushi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not Kansas. <laughs> or Denver. <laughs> not any of the places that any of us are from, if we're being honest. Okay, so let's jump to predictions. you 
So we're doing it a little bit different this year. We're going to ask your rival to uh, tell us what your, your record's going to be. So so we're going to start with you, David. And uh, you're, we're going to have you tell us who the Raiders are going to be. So uh, I'm going to run through the uh, Raiders' schedule quickly, and you just let me know if uh, if each of these is a win or a loss. And Adam, you just have to uh, sit there and bite your tongue at least until he's finished. So uh, week one, the Oakland Raiders start on the road at New Orleans. Loss. Oh, so <laughs> at home against the Falcons in week two. Uh, I think that's a win. Okay, so one and one. Then they go on the road to Tennessee, Marcus Mariota. That's a win. Okay, two and one. And then on the road at Baltimore. That's a win. Coming off a disappointing season. Oh, so you don't believe Baltimore is going to turn it around this year, or at least not in that game. So I don't. A week one loss. All of a sudden, they're three and one, and they come home to host your San Diego Chargers. That would be a loss. Okay, so uh, they lose at home to San Diego after sweeping last year. That's three and two. And then another home divisional game against Kansas City. That's going to be a tough game. Uh I'm going to say it's a win. Okay, so four and two. Uh, Oakland's still looking pretty good. Uh, then they go on the road at Jacksonville the next week. That's a win. Uh, interesting. There's a lot of hype. I would say other than the Raiders, the Jaguars probably the team in the AFC with the most preseason hype. But uh, most of our predictors are uh, not too keen on them so far. So Too, too many pieces uh, for them to, to have to put together and get, get some rhythm going. So I think it's going to take a little bit. All right. and uh, So they're on the road again the next week at Tampa and Jameis Winston. Mm, that's going to be an interesting game too, but I think I'm the, I think they're going to lose that one. All right, so they lose. They're five and three, and uh, you know a pretty good first half to the season, and uh, not a lot of national attention yet. But finally, in week nine, they get a Sunday night football game against the defending Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. That's at home. I'll give them a win. All right, so big win on national TV. They head into their bye at six and three, and then they get an extra day because they come out of the bye and they play Monday night football against Houston and JJ Watt. That game's in Mexico City. So it's a home game in Mexico City. I think that's a loss. Okay. Well, I guess Houston's closer to Mexico City, so maybe that, that'll be a home game for J.J. Watt. I don't know. All <laughs> right, so they're 6-4, and four, and then uh, another home game and another tough game against uh, Carolina. Carolina. Oh, that's a loss. 6-3 uh, and three going into the bye. Now they're reeling a little bit. And uh, at 6-5, and five, probably a, a must-win game at home against the Buffalo Bills. That's a win. And this is really a brutal way for the Raiders' schedule to go. You end the season with road division matchups uh, for three of your last four uh, games of the season. And that starts at Kansas City. That's a loss. At San Diego. Try to get revenge for that home loss in October. I'll give them a win. Okay, so you split each time the road team winning. Yeah. Okay, so now you have eight wins. And still in the playoff race, you come home to face Andrew Luck and the Colts. Ooh, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to give them a loss in that one. Okay, so now they're eight and seven. I don't know if they're in the wild card race or not, but uh, either way, it's a must win in Week 17 at Denver on New Year's Day. That's a loss. All right, so you see the Raiders going eight and eight, which is uh, has been the high water mark for this team for a long time. So not not quite in the playoffs yet. Uh, Adam, how do you feel about uh, the Raiders going eight and eight this year? That would be very disappointing, and I don't see that happening. I think it's getting <laughs> at least one more win out of that, and be at least nine and seven, and I think we'll actually go ahead and six. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so now it's so if you're going to do that, you're going to have to leapfrog one of these teams in your division, and the team you finished behind last year was Kansas City. So, uh, tell me how they're going to do. They're going to start Week One at home against the Chargers. Uh, they beat the Chargers. Okay. Then Week Two at Houston. Lose that one. And then they come home to face the Jets. Beat that one. All right. Two and one. Then they go on the road at Pittsburgh. They lose that early bye week, and then they come back off the bye, and they're at Oakland. At Oakland, they lose that one. Okay, so they drop to two and three. Then they're at home against the Saints. That's a win. And then they go at Indianapolis the next week. They'll go with the Indian win. All right, so they go into Indy and beat Andrew Luck and the Colts four and three. And uh, we know Akiva on this podcast, he is the Colts hater. He says two to 53, it's the worst team in the league. He thinks it's all Andrew Luck. And, uh, Andrew Luck it is all Andrew Luck. <laughs> and he wasn't so great last year. All right, so they're four and three. Uh, now they come home and they face Jacksonville. They'll win that one. This is all okay. predicated that Justin Houston is healthy for these first seven games. Yep, okay. Okay, then they go at Carolina to face the defending NFC champions. 
lose that one. Okay, then they come home and face Tampa. That's an easy win. All right, then they go at Denver. They'll lose that one in Denver. Okay, so they're 6-5 and five and not doing as well as the previous season, uh, but their schedule gets a little bit easier in December, actually. It starts at Atlanta. They'll win that one. All right, so 7-5, and five, and then short three days rest. They're playing on Thursday night football against Oakland. Loss. Well, I gave, they're going to split the series with Oakland this year, so I gave the win for four, so they have to win this one. Okay so, so, okay, so now they're 8-5, and five, uh, riding the ship a little bit, and they're at home the next week against Tennessee. That's a win. <laughs> okay, so I spoke too soon. 6-5, and five, all of a sudden they're 9-5, and five, and this game could be with the division on the line in Week 16 on Christmas. And I think most of the games that week are going to be on Saturday, on Saturday, Christmas Eve this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but they're playing the Broncos on Sunday Night Football on Christmas night. Oh, they have one game on Sunday? Interesting. Yeah, I guess uh, so. Sunday Night Football, yeah, everybody gets to open their game, presents and then watch that in, game. Game's in Kansas City? That game's in Kansas City. KC wins that one. Oh, wow. So from 6-5 and five to 10-5. and five, Just like and now year, they go on a run. <laughs> yeah, now look, can they win the division? They finish at San Diego to end the season on New Year's. No, nope, San Diego pulls a surprise. <laughs> okay, so, so, so the Chiefs are 10-6. and six. Cole, how do you feel about 10-6? and six? That was exactly my number. All right, and especially if you're six and five, I think you'll take ten and six at that point. The, sure. the only big disagreement I had, and obviously you just flip flop some games here and there, was at Pittsburgh. I think we win that only because they're out Le'Veon Bell and Martavis Bryant to suspensions this first four weeks. All right, so uh, that's a good point. Yep. I okay, still so. like that. I still like the Pittsburgh offense. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Even without those two. Yeah, I mean, they looked pretty good with D'Angelo Williams last year. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, they did. It's not a big loss. Out. They'll be fine. Yeah. All right, okay, so so now, Cole, you get to decide whether 10-6 and six is enough to win the division because we're going to have you do the Broncos. So the Broncos are going to start the season in the traditional style on Thursday night at home against Carolina. Uh, loss. And then they get 10 days rest and they face the Colts at home. I'm going to go with loss. Okay, so 0-2 start. I think even if Andrew Luck has injury problems again this year, that's only week two, so he should be healthy and raring to go. Yep. Okay, so they're starting 0-2, and then it doesn't get any easier because then they go at Cincinnati in week three. I got to give them a win somewhere, so we'll go with a win. Oh, wow. So <laughs> they, they lose at home, and then they win at Cincinnati, who, you know. You know, honestly, to... I think I think the, the Colts and Bengals, I, it could go either way in both of them. So. Yeah, okay. All right, so you have them one and two through three games. That's fine. And then in week four, they go at Tampa Bay. Win. So they even up the schedule. Then they come home in week five to face Atlanta. Win. And then in week six, they go at San Diego on Thursday night. So that's on short rest. Let's go with a, a win. <laughs> okay. So um, now they're four and two all of a sudden. And then they got 11 days off from a Thursday to a Monday night football game against Houston at home. I have no idea what to think of Houston this year. I think with Brock Osweiler, that'll be an interesting storyline at least. That's true. Yep. Does Brock get, Travis, does Brock get booed by you and the, the Denver fans? Oh. Brent, who, who, <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's got a lot coming. He's, yeah, we're going to stomp them that day. All right, Cole, what's going to happen in that Let's game? Let's go with a loss just because I like, I like his confidence. <laughs> I got to go with a loss. <laughs> All right, so now they're four and three, and then they face San Diego again. All right, so let's say it's a loss now. Okay, so they split. So now they're four and four, the Broncos, and now they face, now they play on Sunday Night Football the next week. At the Oakland Raiders, win. Okay, so you're not you don't think that they're up and coming just yet. Uh, so now they're five and four, excuse, they're five and four, and then they go at the Saints the next week. Win. All right, so six and four. They got a late bye week, which is good. They get to rest up, and then right after Thanksgiving, at home against Kansas City in a big game. Let's go with a win. Okay, so the Broncos are seven and four. Then they go at Jacksonville. Win. And then at Tennessee. Win. 
Okay, so now they're coming off a five-game winning streak. All of a sudden, they're nine and four, and they face the and they got a few, uh, tough game to end the season. Week fifteen, the New England Patriots. Tom Brady unsuspended by that point, presumably. Very, very much a loss. Okay, so they lose at home to the Patriots, and then they go at Kansas City on Christmas, as we said, Sunday Night Football. Loss. Nine and six, and so they're they're playing at home against Oakland. And if the if Kansas City's ten and six, then at nine and six, this is a must win. I would say that's a win. Um, I just I think that's a the bright number for Mark Sanchez led offense. Okay, so ten and six for both Denver and Kansas City. Uh, we're not going to get into the tiebreakers yet to see uh, who's going to win the division with that one. Uh, Travis, what say you about ten and six for the Broncos this year? I have a set thirteen and three. Oh my god! And, uh, oh, oh, yeah. Go home. So yep, and uh, thirteen and three with Sanchez. Are you kidding me? With with butt fumble? Are you sure? <laughs> with the defense in this conference, you're going with thirteen and three. I think that the uh, <laughs> I think that our, our, our I think that the schedule actually uh, is is good for us. Are we the only team that plays the Patriots every single year? Well, because you both we win the division. So, right. I know. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is why you're 150 games over 500 last year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is why we're doing it this way this year. So we get to we right. have the opposite perspective. All right. So, okay, Travis, now you're going to tell us the uh, the Chargers. So you're going to tell us how the Chargers are going to do. So in week one, they're at Kansas City. Loss. Okay. Then they come home in week two against the Jaguars. Win. All right. Yeah. So the Jaguars do not have a win yet in the 32 fans <laughs> podcast this year. So, Albin, if you're listening, uh, you guys are going to have to do some work. All right. Sorry, uh, week Albin. three at Indianapolis. Loss. All right. One and two. And then at home against the Saints. Win. Okay. And then at Oakland. Loss. And then at home against the Broncos. Loss. Of course. Right, and then at Atlanta. Win. And then at Denver. Loss. Of and course. Three and five. Then at home against Tennessee. They're going to win that. And then at home against the Dolphins. They're going to win that. All right. So they're five and five headed into the bye. Already more wins than last year. Chargers' uh, whole- problem is always second half of the season. All right. Yeah. This whole. Well, yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, wasn't it, when Philip Rivers was like the MVP of the league through the first six weeks? Yeah, you always the Chargers always look like they they start out gangbusters, and then then you don't know what happens. Okay, so five and five coming out of the bye at Houston. Uh, I think they're going to beat Houston, though. Oh wow, big win! Six and five, and then they come home to face Tampa Bay. I think they're going to beat them. Oh wow! So all of a sudden, the San Diego Chargers off a four-win season, seven and five, and if I recall correctly, Kansas City is going to be seven and five at that point. Denver is going to be – no, they're going to be 8-4. and four. And Oakland, I forget. So, yeah, this could be a very tight race in this division. Then they go at Carolina in week 14. That's a loss. Loss. Yeah. All right, and then they come home to face the Raiders. Loss. Mm-mm. Okay, so they lose to the Raiders again, Mm-mm. drop to 7-7 seven and seven on December 24th, Christmas Eve in Cleveland, which is where you want to be for Christmas, really. Yep. Win. Okay, yeah. Nobody's giving the bronze anyways either. Uh, RG3, you're not a believer in RG3. <laughs> nope. Okay, so eight and seven. So uh, maybe a playoff berth on the line in week 17 at home against the Chiefs. Loss. Okay, so eight and eight, though. So how would you feel, David, if uh, you double last year's win total? I mean, I would be in, 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 encouraged by the improvement, but I think, uh, like I said before, this the way this team goes as far as the offensive line goes, I will say if they play at least – if the starting offensive line – plays at least 15 games this year, then they have an incredible chance of winning the AFC West. Oh, wow. Well, and the problem is also that, you know, even doubling your wins is improvement, but when your quarterback's 35 years old, you know, you don't have – that's sort of what we've seen in New Orleans the last couple of years. You don't have that much time to sort of tread water. Exactly. Um, the window is closing with Philip Rivers. He's probably got three or four more good seasons left, and that's going to be it. 
Yeah. All right. So interesting. So yeah, we have no losing teams in this division, according to uh, our fans of the other teams in the division. We have Kansas City and Denver uh, duking out at ten and six, and then we have Oakland and San Diego at eight and eight. So, but uh, nobody below five hundred. Let's uh, let's wrap up the podcast. I'm going to give each one of you guys. Akiva hates when I call this rant time. He, but we don't have a better name for it yet. So uh, I'm going to give each one of you just like thirty seconds. Tell me the the thing, whether it's a player or anything. What's the thing you hate most about this team? The most frustrating thing about your team? So Cole, we'll start with you. Now I don't want to get off on a rant here. But... <laughs> I hate the uncertainties with the injuries and the and I have no idea if Jamal Charles is going to be the same player. I have no idea if Tom Bahali has is going to be able to play the every game this year. D Ford is inconsistent as hell. He had that one game last year with the Chargers where he was great, and the rest he was like non-existent. I have no idea if Justin Houston's going to play. I have no idea with so many positions this year that I, this this team could go ten and six. They could go twelve and four. They could go eight and eight, and I wouldn't be shocked any anyway. All right, Adam. What about you? What do you hate the most about this Raiders team? Uh, this Raiders this Raiders team is most <laughs> very You're happy all off for this Raiders this team. This the first time in like twelve years, fourteen years <laughs> that I've actually been happy about a Raiders team. Uh, I guess the stigma that of winning the off season and uh, and all the caveats that come with that of when you win the off season, spend on free agency, you usually don't do too well in the regular season. So I hope that yep. does not come into effect with us. Adam, are you from Oakland? I am not from Oakland. I am from New York. Okay, so would you? Well, why, just briefly, why are you a Raiders fan? <laughs> I never really had a good answer for that. Uh, <laughs> Love Bo Jackson as a kid. Was drawn to that the silver and black. The sneaker, That's a good answer. Still. Are you All a Royals stuff. fan also in baseball? I am not. Just okay. the Raiders. <laughs> um, Everybody so else New York. Would you be impacted? And, you know, this is an interesting question. Uh, I'm a Vikings fan. I haven't lived in Minnesota full-time since 1997, but I would be uh, heartbroken. I, I can't even begin to describe how upset I would be if the team ever left, even though even if, even if they moved to my backyard. Um, <laughs> so would you be impacted one way or another? But also all the Raiders have a record of having moved to L.A. and back to Oakland. So would you care at all if the Raiders left Oakland? I mean, this team belongs in Oakland, but unfortunately, Oakland does not the. I'd say the but you're still Oakland you're still a fan of the Las Vegas here. Raiders, though. I will still be a fan of the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes. Okay. Not a problem. All right, uh, David. What, what do you hate the most about this uh, Chargers team? Uh, Other than the fact that they may not be there for long. <laughs> the, it, just injuries and, and the inconsistency of the offensive line last year. I mean, it scares the hell out of me. I really don't want to see another year with them throwing twenty four different bodies out there to try and protect. Our franchise quarterback. I mean, that, I mean, that's going to drive me crazy. They better stay healthy this year, and uh, if they do, I see big things. But uh, I mean, Joey Bosa and the Chargers need to need to get in a room and figure this out, sign that contract, and get this kid into camp. All right, Travis. Uh, we'll end with you. We'll give you the last word. Defending Super Bowl champions. Probably not too much to find to uh, to dislike about a team that just won the Super Bowl. But tell us if there's anything about the twenty yeah, no. Broncos. Yeah, I think the only thing is is uh, much like other teams, it's the uncertainty of the offensive line and and as well tight end. We uh, we've put a lot of focus on defense. We've put a lot of focus. You know, Paxton Lynch is our future, but we really also need to shore up the offensive line. So that's really the only the the only hole that needs to be filled for the Broncos. Let me just see one more time, just because we didn't get any consensus on anything other than the Broncos having the best defense. Does everybody agree the Raiders have the best offensive line in this division, or does anybody disagree on that one? One hundred percent. All right. I yeah, agree. I mean, yeah. The yeah. These other teams. Cra- seem you'd like, be crazy not to say that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, thank you so much, uh, guys, for joining us, Travis. Uh, you can be found on Twitter at, at Travis Henry. Uh, just how you spell it, just like the uh, the former running back, uh, uh, or at, at UnleashYourRockyRoad.com. Cole, you're at Jayhawk Cole. Is that correct? Correct. I miss Ben Heaney. 
Okay, Adam. Uh, Adam, are you a Twitter guy? I love Ben Heaney. No, no Twitter handles for me. I'm just a fan. No, no need to plug anything for me. <laughs> All right, and uh, and David, um, as we said, uh, you're the co-host of uh, the Chargers Domination Podcast. You can get that at San Diego Sports or you can hit David up at DHSD six one nine. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good luck to all your teams this year. Um, may I see one of you in the Super Bowl in February? But that's obviously not going to happen. <laughs> hey, go Vikes! I'm a Vikes. <laughs> yeah, hey, Teddy Bridgewater I, forever. <laughs> I, I thought I thought I would see the Broncos in the Super Bowl after the 1998 season, and that did not happen. So I'm no longer expecting. That hey, was I, a choke job. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> how, how is Adrian Peterson going to do this year? Oh, I, I hate Adrian Peterson. I wish they would cut him. Huh. So I, I said that on the NFC North podcast. I think the Vikings offense is better when Peterson doesn't. Peterson's value, and and obviously, Adam, you saw this last year, like in the in the second half of the Raiders game, when the Vikings are beating a team by 10 in the fourth quarter, Peterson will pull off an 80-yard touchdown and turn it into a blowout. That's his, Actually, he also did that actually against the Broncos last year, Travis, uh, in, it, he, to tie the game in a fourth quarter. We pulled up a 50-yard yep, touchdown. Yep. So, he, so he does have value sometimes, but, but his biggest value is really <laughs> – pretty good pretty, value. <laughs> yeah, but, but the problem is that Teddy Bridgewater is so much better when he's not on the field because Peterson can't pass block and he can't catch the ball out of the backfield. He can't play out of the shotgun, and that's really Teddy's strength. So yeah. I think the offense usually does better when he's not on the field, honestly, which is sort of a similar thing we saw with Seattle last year where Marshawn Lynch in- injury really allowed Russell Wilson to take the next step in his career. So so would you prefer if Norv tailed the offense to Bridgewater as opposed to Peterson? <laughs> I think the future of this offense. Look, obviously the Obviously Vikings, the future. Similar but. to the Broncos, this team is going to go as far as the defense can take them. But anyway, I, it's, all, it's also a – it's. It's a zero-sum game. It's the $15 million they invested in Peterson that could go somewhere. And that's the same thing with, like, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's going to have a great season for the Cowboys this year, but do they have to waste the pick that high on him when we see that they plug anybody in? You know, right, they plugged right. in Darren McFadden, and he was, what, fourth in the league in rushing last year, something like that? Uh, DeMarco Murray, the year before that, was first in the league and then went to Philly to nothing. I just think that if a team has a good offense, they can do it with, with any running back, and um, they could use that money elsewhere. But And also, the biggest thing is I just I hate rooting for a guy who's, you know, such an <laughs> unrepentant child abuser. Um, you know, every other guy who's gotten in trouble, like like Mike Vick or Ray Rice, like they go so overboard to try and make up for it. And Peterson never did that. And fans still wear his jersey and he gets away with it. So anyway, but this is not a Vikings podcast that keep would be rolling his eyes and trying to cut us off. <laughs> hey, you guys asked me. You guys asked me. Uh, don't worry. The, Vi- the Vikings will find a terrible way to lose in the playoffs well before they they have an opportunity. So, to yeah, so I have a, uh, you know, Vike, Vikes fans are very, very loyal. And we have some Minnesota people. My neighbor across the street is my really good friend. He's a he's a, he's a a Vikings fan. So I pseudo became a Vikings fan just because, you know, it was NFC. And we we started watching games together. And I would just watch these heartbreaking losses. And he's like, this is exactly what it's like to be a Vikings fan. And I feel for you. So. Yeah, well, that game against the Broncos last year, where Teddy yeah. was, they were driving to get it. And, and then, you know, whatever, they're playing in Denver. Yeah. They're not really expecting a win there. But then they played in Arizona in December on a Thursday night on three days rest with their three best defensive players missing. They had got blown out the week before in uh, at home against Seattle. Nobody was expecting anything. And the same thing happened. This time was even worse because they were already in field goal range. And Teddy dropped yeah. back to throw a game-winning touchdown when they could have just kicked the field goal in overtime. And strip sack to the same thing that yeah. happened against the Broncos. Another Let's loss. Not forget the playoff game again. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, there's no such thing as field goal range when your kicker can't hit a 20 yard field goal. That, but, yeah, that's football for you. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good luck to all your teams, and uh, you know we may have you back depending on how the season goes for the various teams in the NFC West this year. So, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, thank you. Thank, thank you. Guys. Well, have a good okay. night. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.